All right. It is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with that couple in Victoria who placed the newspaper ad for mm-hmm. a doctor, Michael and Janet Mort. And she says she did everything she could think of to try and get her husband's prescriptions filled. Uh, 82 years old. He's got nine different prescriptions he needs filled. He's got some complex health challenges and she just couldn't get anywhere. Desperately put that ad in the paper, well, 600 bucks. Yeah, it worked. Ad. <laughs> it worked, yeah. It worked. I guess they're going to get their prescriptions filled. Let's listen to them here. You'll hear them in this report from Global News. Reporter Kylie Stanton interviewed them, and you hear them here calling out the B.C. government and Health Minister Adrian Dix. Have a listen here. Put one of your family that you love in my circumstances and watch them try like I've tried for the last six months and then ask yourself if it's working well enough. You are responsible for fixing this problem. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's still unclear exactly why they couldn't get that prescription filled. Um, but I thought your your guest, uh, Camille, from the health... Um, BC Healthcare Matters. She made a very good point, I thought. And when it comes to seniors, like navigating the healthcare system can be challenging. Yeah. Uh, and if you've had a family doctor for basically your entire life, then your family doctor ret- retires, your healthcare system has been shaped around that family doctor who's been taking care of things for you. Now you've got apps, you've got, um, you need internet access. There's all sorts of challenges in navigating the healthcare system. And I think people in a s- senior position who've relied on the family doctor for so long um, are left uh, wanting. And again, I think this um, this is exposed potentially a problem that's out there with, with seniors not really having the, given the resources to navigate a healthcare system when family doctors leave. I'm kind of surprised too that they didn't get any help before this because she says that she tried everything she could think of. She phoned 811, which is the BC healthcare information line. She went to a walk-in clinic. She says she even went to a hospital emergency mm-hmm. room. She phoned, she tried Telus Health. And I'm I'm thinking like, at some point, did not did someone not try to give her a hand to help her get these prescriptions? Still a mystery why that was allowed to drift so long. It is true in the capital, and the health officials will say this, the capital region has a problem in terms of those resources. We've had more clinics close here. We've had more family doctors suddenly leave. Uh, so the resources in the capital have suddenly shrunk, I think, a bit than uh, compared to other regions, and I think this is another part of the, is the, the problem. Is the B.C. government vulnerable here on this file? You heard this couple co- sort of calling out Adrian Dix here, the health minister. Well, the family doctor situation is uh, is unsolvable in the short term. You, get, you can't force people to become family doctors. The incentive program uh, that came up uh, recently just seems to have fallen flat. Uh, it's not attracting people into that particular um, profession. A lot of blame has been heaped on the fee-for-service system. We've had more fee-for-service uh, doctors in BC than other parts of the of the country. Uh, there's an ongoing shift towards salary and such. Yeah. Fee-for-service, what's been exposed in this? Inflation, which has never been an issue before, uh, and rents uh, have suddenly become a big issue for family doctors. Their, rent, their leases and, and rents and overhead has increased significantly, but their fees have not increased, have not kept pace with that. And that's one of the issues right now. I think, at the table with the doctors of BC and the health ministry when they negotiate a new master agreement. It's also not a problem that is unique to British Columbia. I mean, oh, this right is across going the country. on all across Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, the primary care system in Canada is in, if it's not in crisis, it's very close to it. And it's not just small towns that are losing their, their emergency room for the weekend. We're seeing this uh, phenomena occur in larger urban centers as well. There's a, it's a human resource problem. Yeah. Just like every other sector is facing a human resource issue, whether it's BC ferries, 
which have chronic staff shortages because they just don't have enough trained mariners, whether it's uh, the healthcare profession. It's not just family doctors. We're losing health technologists by, by record numbers. We're not replacing them. We're not replacing a number of healthcare professions, again, not just family doctors, because the retirement rates and other factors in burnout are costing uh, positions, and not just BC, yeah. it's happened in Ontario, Alberta, you name it. And every province, including in this provincial government, they're trying to attract these these professionals. They're trying to hire these people. Like I interviewed the head of the uh, paramedics union the other day on the show, mm-hmm. and he was saying that one of the problems with the shortage of paramedics is they're not paying them enough and they need a raise. So I asked him, well, how much are they getting paid? And he said, well, the starting wage is 75000 bucks a year. I know. And I was like, you can't, really? you can't hire people to work for 75000 Well, a there's a million job vacancies in Canada. Yeah. You know, the un- unemployment rate has never been as low as it is now. I mean, what's been, what's been in the news uh, the last couple of nights? A lack of lifeguards yeah. closing Kitts Pool and, Se- and Second Beach in the Stanley Park. So you don't have enough lifeguards. Suddenly yeah. add that to the shopping list of, of vacant positions, along with family doctors, technicians, uh, ferry workers and such. Yeah. We've got restaurants closing not because they don't have any customers. It's because they don't have any staff. My favorite place for a burger and shake here in Victoria was that Johnny Rockets in the Bay Center. Oh, sure, Johnny Rockets. And yeah. they, they closed yeah. two outlets in Victoria because they couldn't find any staff. Yeah. Not because of customers. They had a lot of customers, but just no one to, to serve them. Yeah. So it's a phenomenon that's occurring right through society. It's, it's quite fascinating the big and troubling quit, as well. The, the big quit, they call it, or the yep. big retirement. Where do all these people go? Where where is everybody? Where, where are all these workers? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, there's not enough millennials, I guess, and Gen Xers uh, to to fill these positions, or at least they're not wanting to. Okay, this is a story we continue to follow here on the show. Um, news on the vaccine front, right? So today, yeah, today uh, now kids aged six months to to uh, through the uh, age of four, so up until five, are now eligible to get to the COVID nineteen vaccine. But I did a report on Global last night pointing out that. But for the population over the age of 12 is very high vaccination rates. Right. Uh, I think the teenagers are around 86, 87 percent. And then you get 92, 94 percent for 18 people age 18 over. Completely different picture for kids under the age of 12. So 11 year olds are right now at a 67 percent vaccination rate. But every year that goes down, the number gets lower until you get to the five year olds are only at 50 percent. So there's about 150,000 kids age 5 to 11 who have not been vaccinated yet with a single dose. And, that, and that's been available for months, which suggests that there is much more hesitancy amongst parents of young children than of older population, which suggests perhaps we're not going to see a big take up in the population of the parents of kids age 6 months to 4 years. They may mirror what we're seeing with 5-year-olds, which is less than half. Presumably, that hesitation among parents is among parents who are vaccinated as well. Yeah. It, so, yeah. you know, the parents are vaccinated, but That's they're majority, worried about vaccinating their kids? Not in some cases. Not entirely clear why that is, but yeah, uh, yeah no, the vast majority of parents are vaccinated. I mean, right. 94% of the population is vaccinated. Yeah. We have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. But clearly, Parents of young children have are being viewing vaccines differently for, for their kids. I got a notice on my phone yesterday from the health ministry saying, okay, get ready for your fourth dose. Yep. So I'm triple vaxxed, you're triple vaxxed, and now it's time for num- shot number well, four. I, did it say come in right now or it say wait till fall? My, my, I got mine two weeks ago and it said you can come in now if you want. Yeah. But the advice is to wait until fall to to extend the gap between the third and fourth doses. But right now, I just looked at the last month's stats for vaccinations. Uh, about 160,000 or so vaccinations were administered. 
76% of those were fourth doses. So that's the lion's share of vaccines right now. Uh, third doses were only about 24,000. So we've sort of hit a wall when it comes to getting that booster dose, that first booster dose. We're, we've been stuck at 60, 61% of the population has the third dose. But clearly, everyone who got a third dose is likely to get a fourth dose. And that's, what's, uh, that's who's getting the doses right now. Okay, real quickly, on the federal conservative leadership contest, mm-hmm. there is another leader's debate scheduled for tomorrow. It's happening in Ottawa, but a notable person not attending, Pierre Polyev. A lot of people oh. think he's winning this thing. He's skipping this debate. What's going on there? Why Skippy. is he skipping it? Skippy. That's some people That's call his him nickname. Skippy. Yeah. Well, he clearly uh, <laughs> thinks he's got more to lose than to to gain by going in there. It would obviously be a gang up on him because yeah. he's a perceived front runner. So he's saying thanks, but no thanks. He didn't like the last format, which right. I certainly understood some of his criticism with that playing that sort of wah, wah, wah sound every they time. They were playing the sad trombone Yeah, the song. sad trombone yeah, every yeah. time they went over time or something. Right. And I think he thinks uh, the sign-up period is over, so what's the point of, uh, of uh, even doing this? Uh, but he's way ahead. Yeah, well, he's, so why take a risk? By all accounts, he's way, certainly way ahead in fundraising. Yeah. He's, he's a massive amount of fundraising. But again, back to what you and I have talked about before, they've used, they're using a point system in this. It's not mass signups that count. It's winning the individual ridings. And a, every riding has 100 points. And we'll see if Charest has been able to get enough of those points in Ontario and Quebec, uh, whereas Poli has been concentrating on the West where there's fewer points available. Okay, speaking of Charest, the Jean Charest campaign has put out an ad sort of going after Poliev for skipping this debate. Here's a little bit of the ad. Pierre, look, we know debates aren't your strong suit. Formats can be confusing. You say things that get you into trouble. That I will fire the governor of the central bank. And really create headaches for Jenny. Vaccination has done nothing. If we're being honest, you can sometimes come off a little abrasive. Yeah, okay. So they're saying, like, why don't you debate? What's the way you're afraid? What's going on? Well, it might be a case of too little, too late. Yeah. I mean, that ad, if it come out a few months ago, might have had more impact than it's going to have now. I think it may be a little late in the game to start launching attack ads. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Pamela in North Vancouver. Hi, Pamela. Go ahead. Hey, yeah, I just wanted to call in and say he's another, Pierre Polyev is another one-trick pony. He's a middle-aged white guy with only one thing on the mind. I'm going to have to plug my nose and vote for Trudeau again. Hmm. That's going to, thank you for that. That's going to be an interesting matchup between the two of them. Now, if you look at some of the opinion if polling Trudeau, on this. If Trudeau sticks around. Oh, you think he won't run again? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's um, his poll numbers. We talked yesterday about that Abacus poll last week. It's pretty negative for him. But I think everything's on hold until we see who the, the conservative leader is. Come the fall, that will refocus, I think, the debate in this country. If it's Poliev versus Trudeau, that's a pretty that's a pretty polarized choice there. Yeah. Uh, and I think um, we'll see if some of the vote that's bled away from the the liberals in recent polls comes back to them if, if Poliev is seen as the alternative. Trudeau has seemed kind of, you know, politically bulletproof here over many he's got years. That Teflon, like he does. I mean, even you know, he's gotten a series of jams and scandals and embarrassments, but it doesn't seem to matter. He, he got through the day. blackface SNC Lavalin again. Yeah. I've never thought scandals are as big a deal to voters as they are to you and me and, and the media. But nevertheless, uh, he has failed to secure a majority government, though. Well, that's it, and, and I think it's going to be difficult for. Paul, you have to get a majority, yeah. really. When you take a look at the political landscape of this country, 
I mean, any kind of a minority outcome favors Trudeau. There's no Does way the NDP exactly. There's no way the NDP will prop up a Poliev like right. government. It's just too right wing for the NDP. And the bloc I don't think has enough numbers. The People's Party is still on the fringe. Yeah. You know, if anything, they drain votes away from the Conservatives. So the prospects are still pretty good for uh, a continued liberal minority, but I don't see them getting a majority. Let's go to Ron on the line in Delta. Hi, Ron. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. I think uh, opposite to what the last caller said, I just can't believe that process of voting for Trudeau because you don't like the other guy with all the stuff that Trudeau pulled off. But anyway, the purpose of my call was uh, that Polyev obviously is going to get himself into hot water sometimes because he says what he thinks. Thank God there's a politician that says what they think and says what they're going to do. And I believe he'll do what he says he's going to do. We need to find a way to develop resources in this country. It could pay for our health care system. There's no. no other way for us to pay for our health care system except through taxpayers. And it's really working well right now, isn't it? Okay, thank you for thank you for that. Well, if he keeps talking about economy, health care, jobs, housing... And stops talking about Bitcoin and firing the Bank of of Canada governor. And already we're seeing signs that he's not talking about that. He's not talking about those odd little things on the side. He is now focused more on the traditional bread and butter issues. If he continues to do that, that will work well for him. But if he also, if he makes the mistake that Aaron O'Toole made, which was to be one thing in a leadership race and another thing once they're leader, that could be fatal. And by that, I mean moving more to the center. Even though that's where the votes are, it's risky for him uh, with his own caucus. Marco in Abbotsford. Hi, Marco. Yeah, thanks for putting me on. Great show, sure. by the way. And I just wanted to say that he's too right-wing. Like, I voted for both liberal and conservative. But if I had to vote, um, I'd vote for Trudeau and because he's, he's too far right-wing. And also the conservative party is not coming up with policies that the general public like. If you combine the Liberal and the NDP vote, it's far greater than the Conservative vote. I think yeah. had Aaron O'Toole mm-hmm. stuck around, they would have had a better shot because it was more moderate. And they're, they're, they keep losing. If you know they Even with Trudeau's scandals that he had, which I agree wasn't the biggest deal, but even with all that negative press against him, they can't form government. It's not mm-hmm. about what the yeah. Liberals are doing, yeah. but what the Conservatives aren't. Yeah, that's, Thank you. that's a very good. Thanks. That's a very good point. I mean, this is uh, the third leader that uh, Trudeau will be, fourth leader Trudeau will be facing of the Conservatives, uh, and the, it's the Conservatives who've had the challenge of of being cohesive and credible with the voters, and no one's been able to pull this off. I'm not sure Poliev is the guy to do it, but we'll see. Michael in Port Coquitlam. Hi, Michael. Go ahead. Oh, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, between the two, I personally would would vote for Pierre. Um, I think Trudeau has, has taken the Liberals a little bit too far left. I'm not a fan of the identity poli- politics and the social justice aspects of of his game. And, and to be honest, I think Pierre um, actually leaves the door open a little bit more to, to people closer to the centre, as opposed to uh, Justin and the current Liberals who are taking everybody as far left as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no question Trudeau has moved his party to the left. He's trying to soak up as much of that NDP vote as possible, and he's been successful as, as that. Uh, Again, I would not underestimate Pierre Poliev's ability to tap into what appears to be a significant kind of anger out there and resentment and frustration that really will likely increase if we go into a recession. But the counter-argument of that is, in a recession, do people really want to risk change? 
And that's going to be work necessarily potentially the benefit of the Liberals and Trudeau. Well, we'll find out in September September who the Conservatives choose as their new leader. They've got another debate yesterday. Poliev will not be there. I don't think it'll make much of a difference. It's Sheree versus Poliev, and I think the odds favor Poliev right now. Thank you, Keith. Dr. Mo.